0: As we turn our attention to the Word, I invite you to open your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke. We'll be in two different chapters this morning, Luke 17, the first five verses there, and then Luke chapter 18, verses 15 through 17 there. And as we continue to think about hospitality, we also need to remember that as a church, we should have this theological foundation of hospitality, but If it's not lived out in how we implement our life together or our systems, then it's all good up here, but maybe not so good within the way we use our hands, within the way we set ourselves up. And so here are different references over the next few weeks to different teams that we have. Even already this morning, um, as uh, Kelly removed one hat from uh, Hospitality to Kids Quest, We do want to have a team of people around hospitality, of thinking things through, even of uh, food allergies for potlucks, things along those lines. We want to be mindful that we live into the details of the big-picture vision of hospitality that we have. And today is one more way in which we take a look at that. And as we just dismissed, our three-year-olds through third-graders, that in a few weeks they can bless us with a Christmas program. We need to be mindful of how we set up a place that is hospitable for our children, for next generations, and that that hospitality is not only for the kids, it's for their parents and guardians, but it's also for our benefit as well. How do we live a vision of hospitality for all ages? And so as we go into God's word together, may we have that lens for how we live our life together here That we make sure that this is an environment of welcome of hospitality but also that hospitality includes safety security and assurance before we turn to god's word together let's pray jesus as you speak to us your truth may we have ears that hear hearts that love and hands that serve May you open us to what you speak to us through your word, for this is where your spirit is active within us. And so, Lord, be active. Be alive to us and within us that we might seek hospitality for our neighbor, for our community, not just in theory, not just in our heads, but in how you call us to use our lives and how that we can shape ourselves and our church to be a place of welcome and of safety. In all of this, to show hospitality, putting the gospel into practice. So help us today to hear from your word, from our ears to our minds, and deep down into our hearts, that we may be shaped by you. In your holy name we pray, amen. Beginning with Luke 17, 1 through 5. Jesus said to his disciples, (coughs) Things that cause people to stumble are bound to come, but woe to anyone through whom they come. It would be better for them to be thrown into the sea with a millstone tied around their neck than to cause one of these little ones to stumble. So watch yourselves. If your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them, and if they repent, forgive them. Even if they sin against you seven times in a day and seven times come back to you saying, I repent, you must forgive them. The apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. And turning also to Luke chapter 18, verses 15 through 17. And after this second reading, I'll say, this is the word of the Lord. And if you are grateful for it, I invite you to respond with thanks be to God. Luke 18, picking up at verse 15. People were also bringing babies to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. When the disciples saw this, they rebuked them. But Jesus called the children to him and said, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A couple months ago, I took to the internet to see if I could find the whereabouts of a particular figure from my past, and as I searched for this former martial arts instructor of mine, I was surprised how quickly the search ended because I found his obituary. And I have to tell you, I was incredibly relieved to find his obituary. In fact, at first, I was almost, I couldn't believe that it was the same person, maybe the same name, but I clicked on the link and saw a picture that was much more like probably the time when I knew this man than what he would look like today. It was an older picture, and as I read through, it was undoubtedly the person that I was looking for, former martial arts instructor, a former pastor, not of my church, but a pastor in our area who went independent, um, and I was so relieved to find his obituary because it was the assurance that he could not hurt anyone else. Of course, some of you know this part of my story. This is one of my martial arts instructors uh, who is a child predator, and I was coming to the age Uh, though I was not his type. I was coming to the age that some of his victims in my town were my friends, and the victim of which he was grooming to be his next victim was a classmate of mine. Finding his obituary was relief, but a complicated one, because the wounds that happened to us at that age, to my friends and to those around us, Those are complicated and complex wounds that do not heal easily, and even when they stop hurting, they might not be totally healed. Relief. And yet also great disappointment. Great disappointment because as I read through the whole obituary, I found once again how involved this individual was in the church. Now, I'm not saying that once you commit wrong, you can never participate but it scared the daylights out of me to wonder, did they know? Did they do their homework? Did they do their background checks? Which in some ways at the child protection team level, that's the low-hanging fruit to do a background check. Did they know? Did they keep an eye? Did they watch over? Or, as his pattern of behavior was, did he make himself indispensable, that he had all the answers for inclusion and hospitality and how to connect with youth, and was he set free to find more victims? relieved to find an obituary and yet also deeply concerned to know did this ever end? Did it stop? When I read Luke 17 and I read that verse, it would be better for them to be thrown into the sea with a millstone tied around their neck and we think Jesus sounds a little bit harsh in this moment. I also find that it seems to be tremendous empathy for the pain of victims that Jesus speaks this way. And Jesus is realistic when he says, things that cause people to stumble are bound to happen. Inevitably, they are bound to happen. And yet, woe to those through whom they come. That it's not just some outside force that's trying to attack us from far beyond, but rather someone in our own midst. This particular individual that i was looking up that i got to find the obituary and have maybe a couple flashbacks even of my interactions with him he was at one point ordained in the crc the crc demitted him because things didn't seem quite right so he went independent instead this was someone with all the education with a christian school background with all the right boxes to check and yet he found ways to slip past all the accountability to change the system, to make it work for him. I don't usually find relief finding obituaries. And I read this, and then the very next passage, going from, it'd be better if they had a millstone tied around their neck, because whoever causes one of these little ones to stumble, who causes these types of wounds, woe be to them. And then Jesus seems to change tone a little bit, because there is something categorically different about what comes next. Because then Jesus goes into this bit about if someone sins against you and they repent and they ask for your forgiveness, you forgive them, what, seven times in a day? And to us, that starts to sound like cheap grace. And even to the apostles, their first response to hearing both of these things is, Lord, increase our faith. Because we need faith as a gift from you to understand and to live into this version of forgiveness that you're showing us, but also to hold on to what seems to be maybe the harsher yet incredibly important word. Woe to you. And those things that cause people to stumble, the word is scandal. It's the same word as where we get our word, scandal. And we think of all the things that really give non-Christians and people outside the church reason to say, what is wrong with those people? The lack of accountability, the lack of safety—you don't have to look very far for these types of things. That scandals happen, and not only is it incredible pain um, that is caused, but it once again it tarnishes the bride of Christ. Woe to those through whom these scandals come. And so Jesus says, "What? So watch yourselves." Watch yourselves for those who would harm these little ones. And in Luke 18, we hear children. In Luke 17, we don't hear children, we hear little ones, meaning those who are young or those who are small, the meaning being those who are vulnerable in all kinds of different ways, children and others. Jesus says, so watch yourselves. Meaning, watch yourselves, keep an eye on yourself and your own behavior, but also to be watching those around you. Now, let's just hold on to the fact that that doesn't sound very fun to be going around the world being suspicious of everyone, and we don't like people being suspicious of us. Jesus says, watch yourselves. Keep an eye on one another, and we might say, I don't want to live my life like that. I don't want people watching over my shoulder, and yet as we think about hospitality as keeping people safe and offering security, it is a watchfulness that is out of love and mutual accountability, It is to make sure that we are ensuring the safety of those who cannot protect themselves because we do have a responsibility to teach to and learn from our children, but also to protect them. Now, here at North Holland, we can have our debates over the details of how we do that, of check-in and check-out procedures and all of that stuff, but let's not lose sight of the foundation through which all of this comes of even having a child protection team, a group that is designated to make sure that we are doing our due diligence to prevent what we can in terms of the great wounds that are done in environments like church. And I know this man from my past, he sought systems that lacked accountability on purpose, and he designed them around himself. And there was no group overseeing it, which is why he went independent, which is why he was teaching martial arts. And it does actually pain me to say he was a good instructor. He did have things to offer. And that was how he made his connections. How do we protect those who cannot protect themselves? We watch one another. We do the basic things like background checks. We maybe make it... uh, <clears throat> sometimes seeming cumbersome because we all know each other, right? And yet, we do all know each other, which is why we watch one another, to care for each other. Marv Kuman, years ago, in talking about child protection, said that this is just as much for our kids as it is for our adults because we could say, well, I would, I would never do anything wrong, right? But in today's day and age, we need to remember that as soon as something looks wrong, we are inviting great danger and trouble. As soon as something looks a little bit off, it can turn into scandal. Therefore, watch ourselves as Jesus commanded us to do. And why? Not because Jesus wants us to be suspicious. Hospitality is to be in bonds of fellowship. It is to be gathered with one another. It is to love our neighbor and to celebrate their presence in our lives. And it is to watch out for one another and for those who cannot watch out for themselves. It is accountability. It is keeping an eye on one another, to keep each other safe. And this is a good thing. It's not cheap grace to say that we have to forgive others. But Jesus puts this in a categorically different light when it is to speak to those who don't have their own agency. If you're a well-functioning adult, you can watch out for yourself, you can protect yourself, you can advocate for yourself. Children can't do that for themselves. Therefore, that's a responsibility of the church. And so part of hospitality is not to be suspicious of each other, but it is to watch over each other. And to say that we have a team for that is part of hospitality, that we can offer safety and security and pursue that. Pursue that. Now, once again, the details, some of the how, some of the what, that's where we can discuss it among ourselves. That's where we can maybe have fruitless arguments But the original intent and purpose comes to us straight from Jesus. That hospitality to our church and to our community is to watch ourselves, even in ways that might sometimes seem cumbersome. Watch ourselves because the risk is too real and too great. Watch yourselves and watch your neighbor not because you suspect them, but because you want to keep them from any harm to protect them from scandal. I do think about the videos that um, if if you work with children here at North Holland, you have to watch. And they come to us from Ministry Safe. It's a partnership with a group that is completely devoted to this kind of incident. And a lot of it is the training and preparation because there's only so much triage we can do after bad things happen. But it's prevention. And when I watched those the first time a couple years ago, all of the stuff about how um, those who seek harm to children make themselves appear and how they work the system. I thought, man, if when I was in middle school and high school, these existed, if people would have been watching them then, this whole thing could have stopped a lot earlier, could have been caught a lot sooner. And accountability and uncomfortable conversations could have prevented a lot of tragedy even for my little hometown where everybody knows everybody. We have a responsibility to protect ourselves. Hospitality includes protecting our children, that we teach them, that we learn from them, but that we protect them while we do this. Lord, increase our faith indeed, that we can hold on to what we need to hold on to to protect those who are vulnerable but also to not feel like that's disintegrating the fabric of hospitality that we have. But healthy relationships are open to accountability and to amenability. Secret motives and hidden agendas and deeds of the flesh are not. But what view does Jesus have of children? This isn't all doom and gloom, and this is important even for me to have both of these texts, Luke 17 and 18 paired together today, because otherwise, I can get a little bit tunnel vision by how bad the world is, by how scary it is, by how everything can go wrong, and how really just fragile everything seems. What view does Jesus have of children? Is he unequivocally clear that children need to be protected because they can't protect themselves? Yes. Was that even countercultural for the the day? Because children weren't really, you know, people until they were useful. Yes, Jesus is counterculturally and completely clear on how we watch over and protect those who are vulnerable. Maybe we learn that with children, but we can extend that to adults that are vulnerable. But what else is included in Jesus' view of children, even in what we read this morning? In Luke 18, we're told that children, they're not, well, as we would say it here, kids aren't just the future of the church, they are the church right now. Because the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. And truly, I tell you, if you, not, if you do not receive the kingdom like a little child, you will never enter it. Friends, we don't just have a responsibility to our kids. We have something that they need. We have something that we need from them, which is to see the kingdom of God for what it is and that a childlike faith can do that in a way that maybe we can't do so well on our own. This past Monday at Consistory, I couldn't help but to lead from devotions with what our kids on Wednesday night had picked up from the Bible story and how quickly it made sense to them, how they could see it so well. We teach our kids, but we also learn from them. And we protect them while, we, while that exchange happens. As we think about how much is going on in the text in Luke 18 The disciples, let's give them a little benefit of the doubt because they're just like us and we need a benefit of the doubt. The disciples are a little bit indignant because Jesus has important stuff to do and these people are just bringing babies to him for for him to put his hands on them, for him to bless them. And I think the disciples are feeling the rush of there's more important kingdom work to be doing than just putting your hand on a baby that won't even remember that this even happened. But Jesus says, hold on. This focus, this attention, this, this moment that's happening, this actually really does matter. That was the disciples to Jesus. And we, church, are the bride of Christ. We are Jesus' bride. And maybe sometimes as the bride of Jesus, we can put our attention and emphasis and focus on children, and there might be voices like the disciples back then that would say the same thing now of, aren't we putting a little bit too much time and focus and attention on these young people? Aren't we getting a little bit caught up? Isn't there bigger work to do? Now, there are always gaps and there is always more. No church can do everything. And yet what we can be super mindful of here is that the focus and attention is not wrong, but in fact is good, and it benefits the whole body. The fact that we have children in worship and Sunday school and Wednesday nights and youth groups, these are all good things. Our focus and attention does get placed here. And that on top of all of that, of having coordinators and teachers and helpers, that there's also a program support team to make sure that there is a big picture level looking over all of this. It could seem like a lot of effort and attention and focus and work is tied up in this one age group. The the program support team, I almost said youth ministry team, one thing they said is we think people know we exist, but there used to be children's ministry team and youth ministry team, now it's one program support ministry team. But even as we round the corner into different program years to assist in recruiting, into putting people in the right places, into getting things together, both administratively, curriculum wise, even thanking others to make sure that we share this burden and load, that we know how to thank our volunteers, that we set up ways that we're praying for one another, that we're partnering people together in ways that benefit and bless them. This is also part of Jesus' view of children, is that they are worth the time and attention. And as Mark Twain said, he who teaches learns twice, meaning if you're going to teach someone something, you're going to learn about it. When we participate in teaching children about the faith, we have to learn it ourselves and be ready in those moments, which can be a little bit intimidating sometimes. And yet, friends, I think we can take this to heart and to remember that we do have that responsibility to teach to and learn from those who are younger than us. And yet this is a gift. And even if you're not a classroom person who volunteers as a teacher or helper, like children and worship's not your thing, or no, I don't know how I can survive youth group, bless those high school and middle school leaders and all that Jake and and that crew do together, children are always learning from us. And our responsibility to teach them is not just a classroom thing. It is how we exist together. We model for our children, how is it okay to speak about people that we disagree with? What is it okay to prioritize? How do we talk about things? How do we internalize? How do we make sense of the world? People are always showing kids what's right and what's not right by our example as much as, if not more than, just by what we teach and explain. We teach to our kids. We also learn from them. Kids can be a little bit more forgiving than adults. As Jesus does say in the Luke 17 passage, even if they sin against you seven times in a day and seven times come back to you saying, I repent, you must forgive them. As adults, we might be more mindful that life consists more of the apologies that we deserve or want and never get. And wisdom teaches us that there are people waiting for an apology from us that we don't even know or realize. That they probably deserve just as much. Children can be quicker to forgive. Sometimes we have to make them, you know, sit next to each other, maybe a brother and sister. No experience there. But children can receive forgiveness quickly and move on. Is this why the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these? Is this why if we don't take on that lens that we are told that we'll never receive the kingdom of God, we won't enter it if we don't take on that reception that a child has first. And so is the emphasis good? Yes, it is good to have the people and the resources to invest in not the future of the church, but the church today, right now, investing into the kingdom now. This is good that we fulfill our responsibility to teach, to learn from, and to do so in an environment that is hospitable meaning protected and cared for, that we as a body watch one another, that we watch our children, that we take great pride in being cautious because they are worth it. Nothing is overkill. This kingdom of heaven, it's for children and it's for us. And so think about what you teach whether you're a classroom helper or not, knowing that a lot of them are downstairs already. But what is it that you're teaching by your own life's example? How is it that you speak? How is it that you show up? What would somebody pick up from you about what's okay and what's not okay? And are you learning? Are you learning from those who are maybe a little bit more vulnerable than us? Are we learning from our kids are we learning from the next generation? Are we making room? And even as we get older, I recognize that there's more generations underneath us. Are we in hospitality also making room to learn from the next generations coming up? Are we learning? Are we understanding? Are we taking on their vision? Are we looking through their eyes? And can they teach us something important about how to read the Bible, about how to understand who Jesus is? I think undoubtedly. The answer is yes, and in all of this, can we do our diligence to protect, to educate ourselves? And it doesn't feel good to be suspicious of everything in the world, but I'd rather take suspicion over tragedy, that our responsibility to protect is also one to encourage one another to keep each other safe in ways that matter, from accusation or from harm. Teach, learn, and protect in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, we pray for a world that there would be no millstones around anyone's necks because the scandals would not come. But in this day, in this world that we live in that is marked by sin, we ask you to give us vigilance and care and hospitality as we care for one another, as we care for those who are older and younger than us. As we do so, may we watch over ourselves. May we watch over our church. And may we celebrate what we can learn from those who are younger than us. May we receive their eyes to see your gospel. May we understand the kingdom as they see it. And may we continue to celebrate and be blessed by the fruit that comes from all of the different ways in which we invest in the next generation. Lord, for children in worship, for teachers and helpers and coordinators, for Sunday school, for Kids Quest, for middle school and high school youth groups, for all the people who invest in those programs. Lord, we give you thanks. We pray that you bless their endeavors, bless their labor, that it may not be in vain, but that it may yield fruit, not only in our young people, but also in us as we seek to invest and to serve. Lord, as we sang just before this in praise him, praise him, we heard those words, like a shepherd, Jesus will care for his children. May you shepherd us, and may we, like you, shepherd those in our care and in our midst for their betterment, for your glory, and also that we might continue to see the kingdom as it is meant to be seen through the eyes and through the reception of children. In your holy name we pray, O Christ, the good shepherd, our shield and our protector, our watchtower, and the one who heals us. In your name we pray, amen.